This is AutoLine This Week, the show that gets you inside the global automotive industry. Underwriting for the production of AutoLine This Week has been provided by RSM. For challenges specific to your business by working with trusted advisors who help turn obstacles into opportunities. Experience the power of being understood. RSM, audit, tax, and consulting for the middle market. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. You know, for most of my career, Cars were all about nuts and bolts and stamping and welding. Well, not anymore. We're seeing an amazing transformation of the automobile, and it's all about electrification. Not just electric car batteries, but anything that's got an electron running through it. We're going to get into that in today's show because I've got three experts that really know their stuff, including James Beaton, although everyone calls him JB. He's the director of automotive for On Semiconductor. Robin Milovec is the Chief Technology Officer and Chief Strategy Officer for next year. And Jack Keebler is a consultant with Keebler Auto, and he's just sort of an expert in automo- automotive things. So I want to, first of all, thank you for all joining me in this discussion today. And uh, JB, let's start with you. What are the major megatrends that you see happening in this transformation? Sure. The way we see it is there's three main megatrends, right, which is autonomous, so that, that trend towards, uh, um, you know, autonomous vehicles, electrification, which is uh, uh, battery and hybrid vehicles, and then connectivity, which is really a, a 5G uh, transformation that's occurring outside of automotive that will impact uh, vehicle-to-vehicle and other pieces that go along with it. Yeah, Robin, same thing or anything to add to that? I agree. I, I would just emphasize electrification has been something near and dear to the heart of next year because as a steering system supplier, uh, the steering system transition from hydraulic to electric power steering probably started about 10 years ago. It was it transitioned due to fuel economy standards that had to be met, but it really positioned next year uh, to participate in the electrification trend because the steering system had already converted. So now it's, a, it's more of a drop-in, and that technology is ready for that new trend as we see it emerging. And we'll have to get more into that, and that's why I wanted you on the show, because for a traditional mechanical kind of component supplier to, to be a part of this is really good. And, Jack, how, how do you see it? What are the megatrends? Well, there's the sub-trends, and those are things like drive-by-wire, brake-by-wire, steer-by-wire, I mean, as you, as you point out, John, virtually everything in the car has been touched by the electron. I mean, we're monitoring tire pressure. And I mean, not only are we monitoring it on, on board, but to, to, to the earlier point, we've got connectivity going on now. So there are telemetry systems in the vehicles, and that is offloading that information to the manufacturer and then to the supplier. And in some cases where there's an issue in the vehicle, they can actually send an email to the customer and tell them, hey, you've got a problem with your fuel pump, you've got a problem with your, your starter motor, or you've got a problem with your battery. Isn't that really what this is all about? I mean, there's government regulations that are driving some of it, but benefits of the consumer too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the consumer uh, in many cases doesn't even see a lot of the, the changes that are going on, right? So in electrification, one of the big pieces is a 48-volt mild hybrid 
uh, approach where it's an e-assist on, on an axle and, uh, and basically you just get better performance uh, fuel efficiency and other pieces. And that's an incremental change that there's just less than a million vehicles on the road now. By the end of the decade, it'll probably be you know, 25 to 30 million vehicles with just a 48 volt e-assist. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a very mild uh, transformation in, term, in terms of electrification. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you, when you start to think about all of these connected systems, one of the technology we're developing, and you mentioned it, was steer-by-wire. And steer-by-wire really eliminates the mechanical connection between the steering wheel and the steering gear in the car and replaces that with algorithms and, and controls. And what that we see that really enabling future safety features as well as performance because think about today, a lot of vehicles have automated emergency braking. So if an obstacle is detected, the vehicle can brake for the driver if they don't do it in the right amount of time. With automated emergency steering, you have the opportunity with steer by wire to see that same object in front of you. If the driver doesn't respond, you can take an invasive steering maneuver. Because steer by wire uh, breaks that mechanical connection, you can actually take the, the driving wheels in one direction while not really affecting the position of the steering wheel. Because if you can think of an, uh, an emergency maneuver, the steering wheel rapidly moving in front of the driver, you don't want that. It could be dangerous, right. yeah. uh, et cetera. But with steer by wire, they're decoupled. So you can actually take that maneuver and not impact the driver. So you're suggesting you actually declutch the steering wheel from the rest of the it's steering system? It's completely decoupled. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it opens a whole new opportunity for performance and safety that uh, the drivers wouldn't have had in the past. When's that going to happen, though? I've got to imagine that there's a lot of concerns about potential liability. Right. So I, fundamentally, it's all about safety. So we have to have systems that are redundant. So we, we develop redundant hardware, redundant sensors, redundant software that provides that safety net to reassure the driver that there's, that there's no issues. Um, but, but we've been developing this technology for the last three years very seriously, and uh, we see this being implemented by 2025 or beyond. I think it, it's a real reality. Uh, it provides other opportunities in terms of packaging. You know, you don't have a, a steering shaft going through the firewall. And then you talk about battery electric vehicles. There's, there's specific packaging requirements in the vehicle that this is going to be a real enabler for. It's going to open up interior room in Absolutely. some cases, really. Absolutely. And it increases safety by not transmitting the energy, say, in an impact through the firewall because they're disconnected. Absolutely. Good point. Yeah. So, Jack, what other benefits do you see for consumers in, in this change from a mechanical car to an electronic car? Well, I think there's a reliability factor, too, um, because there's redundancy in a lot of these systems where there's a backup system that runs around, an issue, say, an electrical issue in the vehicle. Um, the other thing that's sort of interesting about this is that the, uh, the performance is not going away in these vehicles. I mean, uh, I think initially when we first started to see the electric vehicles roll out, they were, well, I don't want to call them golf carts, but, I mean, that, that pejorative was used. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, cannot, you cannot call a vehicle like a Tesla Model S a golf cart. I mean, these are insanely fast vehicles, um, and, you know, we're actually, we, we need those drivers to, you know, behave on the roadways because they have so much power available to them. Sure. I mean, even GM is talking about, uh, what, an 1,000-horsepower version of the Hummer, perhaps? Right. Yeah, <laughs> that we'll find out soon, wow. right? And, you know, the, the autonomous piece plays into the, to the safety, right? Because what happens is you have multiple cameras, 
on a vehicle now that's monitoring. You have radar. So at OnSemi, you know, we've, we've been in, in ADAS systems now for, for the better part of, of 10 years. And really, generationally, it's, we're at a, at, a, at a step function in terms of performance and, and capability to the, the information, not just to the driver, but to the systems in, in the vehicle, right? So all of these things will talk together and, and behind the scenes be able to provide um, advanced driving assistance, which is ADAS, right? right. And so, uh, so from our perspective, you know, the number of cameras that are, that are uh, in cars now will increase dramatically over the next five to seven years, and that will help the consumer um, in safety, right. without a doubt. Robin, you mentioned that you're going to have drive-by-wire maybe in the 2025 mm -hmm. time frame. That's five years away. I mean, that, that's, right. that's a big R&D commitment for next year on the hope that this is going to see production. Right. It, it, it is a big commitment, and it's something that uh, we feel like we're leading the market in the developing of this technology. Uh, some of the first challenges were you want the vehicle for the driver to still feel like he or she is connected to right, the vehicle. proper feedback. So that it's not like a video game feel. That Good haptics. You have to have that, that feedback and the algorithms and the software and the, and the control to be able to make the driver feel like they're connected to the road. Oh. So that was the first uh, obstacle that we had to overcome. But then you start to think about this electric vehicle and all these subsystems that can now be connected together and, and kind of cooperate with their performance. Uh, we've got a joint venture with Continental. It's called Connects Motion. Mm -hmm. we're, we're working on, you know, how do you best coordinate the braking and the steering of the vehicle uh, to improve safety and performance? So things like can you brake one side of the vehicle to help with steering should you have a, a steering fault? So mm -hmm. you, have, you have potential other systems in the vehicle that can now serve as backups for one another. So when it comes to optimizing the cost of the vehicle, you can start to leverage other things in the vehicle as opposed to putting in multiple redundancies within a single product. Mm. Jack, you, you worked at General Motors. You, you got a good uh, view of things. Uh, how does the industry make sure that it is bringing this new technology in as fast as it can? Because, you know, it's a very conservative industry. In many cases, you know, we just heard what Robin's working on. That's still maybe five years away. Uh, and, and I want to get JB's input on this, too. Yeah. Suppliers, and especially when it comes to electronics and software, can move far faster from a, a, a development cycle standpoint than traditional automobiles have been done. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, John, because, uh, you know, again, I've been doing this for a few years, and uh, you know, even, even 10 years ago, I was, I was in cars that were self-driving, uh, even maybe even 15 years ago. So, I mean, the technology's been out there, but it's the refinement of the technology, and, and it's, to make, it's making sure that you do have those backup systems, those redundant systems, to protect the, the, uh, the driver and passengers when there's, say, a system failure. And it's, it's, it's incorporating that into the system. I mean, you can do a demo at a proving ground. That's one thing. And, and they can be quite impressive. I'm not, I know you've, you know you've participated in some of those, and so have I. But uh, you know, getting them out on the street and having them perform properly on the street, you know, that's, sort of, that's where the rubber meets the road. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, going back to the point about investment and, uh, and mm. long-term um, requirements, you know, for the tier ones, for the for the OEMs, but as a tier two supplier, um, you know, it, the electrification trend for power electronics and semiconductors is is uh, is very very um, extensive uh, in terms mm -hmm. of 
lead time for, for wafer fabs. So essentially, you know, you have to build a new wafer fab, which is a two to three year um, enterprise. Uh, it's, it's in the billions of dollars, uh, uh, you know, and not even considering uh, next generation technology where you move away from silicon, but you move to silicon carbide. Um, other pieces require a, a tremendous amount of front end investment for, for manufacturing. So the software, so I, I know your point about the, it, they can move faster, but the, but the infrastructure of semiconductors requires some, some lead advanced time. lead time yeah. Yeah, so for equipment. And, uh, and it's particularly pronounced in, in power. So just a, a little bit of a semiconductor, you know, comparison. So Moore's Law, which is Gordon Moore, one of the co-founders of Intel, created Moore's Law, which is every two years the number of transistors will double on a given space, <laughs> right? Well, that's true, and it's been true since the late 60s when he developed his law for microprocessors, for digital devices. But we're talking about power devices, and power devices you can't solve by making the, the die smaller. And so you really have to, to, to have significant size in, um, in wafers and, uh, and scale to be able to bring up the, the amount of product that is required for this generational change for electrification. Are you referring it's, to things like MOSFETs? MOSFETs and IGBTs, exactly, yeah. So These are power control electronics that use microvoltage to control higher voltages, right? Switches. It's almost like a relay. Yeah. They're switches, yeah, Very exactly. sophisticated. Yeah, and so, so the substrate has gone from 200 millimeter to 300 millimeter, which is a significant increase in cost. So there is a, a little bit of a, a, a need to, to, to place bets. Is the point? Mm. How, how is the industry done in talking to companies like OnSemi about its needs? Uh, has the the communication been pretty good? And you guys are making investments that are really paying off. Yeah, we are. We we invested in a wafer fab uh, last summer uh, um, to to achieve the goals that we have in, in this space. Right, uh, a couple billion dollars of of revenue expected out of it. Um, and certainly the, the tier ones and the OEMs are, are signaling to us the demand. The question is, what's the market share for, for EV going to be in 25? I mean, we, we all know that it's going to come. We don't know if it's going to be in 25 or 23. But certainly it's, it will happen. And the amount of uh, power electronics required is is a is you know an order of magnitude higher than in, it is now. In the now. middle of all of this, has ADAS been a little bit of an island of profitability? Because it doesn't get, it's, it's almost like it's a hero that doesn't get a lot of credit. Mm -hmm. I mean, because a lot of that technology is, is technology that will eventually maybe enable things like self-driving cars, like mm -hmm. level four and level five. But meanwhile, you know, you can, you, can, you, you can use these sensors and provide additional levels of safety to customers, and you make money while you're doing it. Yeah, certainly the level two plus, uh, you know, uh, um, next products are ones where they're going to be more ubiquitous, more, you know, common on, on um, lower cost models. So I think you're going to see more of them. And so, you know, profitability goes up with volume, right? And, uh, and I think we'll see that, uh, um, especially being... Uh, the market leader in that space. So I think this whole autonomous trend has really driven a lot of the R&D, and what we've seen is, you know, people have been talking about autonomous vehicles on highways for the last five years very intensively, right. and it's generated a lot of intellectual property, a lot of uh, research around that topic. Uh, from a steering standpoint, we, we develop features like lane keeping and auto park, those type of algorithms, 
And as we see the industry potentially delaying a lot of this autonomous level five uh, mm -hmm. on highways, we're seeing kind of a niche market developing in terms of goods and people movers. Yeah. So there's these people mover vehicles. Uh, next year was was lucky enough to work with Continental and 3M and Oakland University mm -hmm. on developing uh, this people mover that will be featured in the North America International Auto Show coming up this year. Mm -hmm. So that'll be an easy mile vehicle that has autonomous steering and braking features in it. And then you see uh, these smaller goods delivery vehicles that might deliver your pizza or your groceries. And that also requires the same uh, autonomous technology that's been developed. So, yep. so in the short term, I think you might see these goods delivery vehicles because they operate at lower speeds, kind of more controlled environments, maybe be the kind of the leading industry for that type of technology. You also yeah. mentioned self-parking. I mean, during the Super Bowl, some of us you know, caught that commercial. I think it was Hyundai, right? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, which used the clever Boston accents yeah. for self-parking. the car. Parking the <laughs> yeah. car. And it's interesting to see a manufacturer, you know, a mainstream manufacturer like Hyundai that has a system that sophisticated that can park, park a vehicle because uh, at least over the last couple of years, it was always suggested, hey, yeah, you'll see those features, but those will only be in luxury cars. So right. it's kind of interesting to see Hyundai be able to pull that off mm -hmm. and do it at the right price. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, what's interesting to me is, is all of these things are going on in the background. And really what I, what I feel is they're, they're incremental uh, steps that are significant to all of the supply base, exactly. right? But to the consumer, they're, they're not so, uh, uh, you know, stressful or, or noticeable even, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, but there will be, uh, um, you know, a group of people that are going to be diehard, you know, full early EV. Adopters. Right, yeah. early adopters, right, for all of this stuff. But in general, you know, uh, we're going to get there. I think it's a matter of the, um, the, the time it'll take and, and the adoption by, by the everyday user, right? And I think, uh, Robin, to your point about, you know, the commercialization aspect, you know, trucks, buses, you know, the, the people movers, that's an easier sell because now it's not an individual user. It's a company that says, look, my bottom line gets better when I, when I go to this technology, mm -hmm. right? right? How do you all figure out where you should be placing your bets. I mean, Robin, you got to make steering systems right. with mechanical components and all that That's today. That right. you, you have to. Uh, how do you get the idea, hey, you know, let, let's go after stir by wire, or mm -hmm. you're talking, uh, JB, about how do we invest a couple of billion dollars in power electronics and hopefully uh, EVs will come. Jack, what, what advice would you give? Well, I mean, I, I'm sure these guys, you know, recognize, I mean, you got to pitch this stuff to the OEs. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when you come in with a, a new technology, they, they, not, they don't want to know just it has some additional advantages over the old tech. It's like, oh, it, does it also save money? I mean, in the case of things yes. like electric power that steering. That hasn't changed. Yeah, no, exactly <laughs> right, exactly right. So, you know, you look at something like electric power steering, you get rid of all those hydraulics. You get rid of those leaks. You get, yeah. you get rid of that, the hydraulic fluid in the plant. I mean, there's a big, there's a big, it's a big mm -hmm. deal when you make that transition. Right. How good are the OEMs then at looking at total cost? Because yeah, my good. guess is your electric system might be more expensive. But to Jack's point, if you can eliminate assembly time in the plant, to eliminate potential warranty problems, how good are the OEMs of looking total cost when you come to them with a product? Yeah, I think they're always good at I mean, they want to look at the total cost. It's what drives their, their business model. Right. So, but, but we often have to make the case to them. We have to tell them what are the other, it's not just the cost of the product, it's what is the cost of the manufacturing and the assembly of the vehicle. 
and the service and the aftermarket and all of that. So it's really an enterprise cost that we've got to kind of bring right. to their attention uh, to sell these types it's of what technologies. Makes, it's what makes the business so hard. Right. There's mm -hmm. so many moving parts, literally. Yeah. <laughs> JB, I gotta believe it's easier for on semiconductor that, in, in, in other words, I gotta believe the OEMs are coming to you, hey, here are the ch kind of chips that we need. Yeah, I think over the last 10 years, um, the automakers have recognized semiconductors as, as the heart of innovation, right? Um, but still, there's a relationship with tier ones. You know, there's, there's, there's still a, a need to integrate into systems. I mean, we're not typically gonna sell a single chip to, to, to an OEM. So we, have, we certainly have to and, and want to work with, with tier ones to make the case for integration and for, for change. Um, but they are much more understanding of the need to have a, um, a knowledge into the semiconductor world. And, Absolutely. And for us, I would say one of the key things is to work with the OEMs early on. For example, let's say we wanted to implement a steer-by-wire system in a current platform. It's a pretty significant change or tear up to an existing platform, but if you're working with them four or five years in advance and you design the chassis around a steer-by-wire system, right. you design the vehicle around it, you can start to realize lots of cost savings uh, with a steer-by-wire system if you're designing the vehicle. Today, for example, a left-hand drive vehicle and a right-hand drive vehicle, there's a lot of additional cost put in to develop those two. With the steer-by-wire system, at least the steering system is portable, mm -hmm. and you, you can eliminate a lot of the development costs if you're doing it in advance. Jack, we started out this whole discussion talking about how electrons are starting to run through everything. I mean, the tires have software control, right. the headlamps have software control, right. the, the door locks have software control. So, you know, people think about the uh, engine electronic computer controller and the like, but how much is going to be permeated by software and electrons? Well, I mean, <laughs> I know this is a big slice of time, but I mean, if you start to look at what was the wiring harness like, yes. the Model T. <laughs> oh, the okay. Model T. Okay. A couple okay. of wires, the ignition <laughs> system, maybe maybe headlight, you know, electricity, maybe oxy, maybe acetylene. I'm not sure. You know, compared to say a Tesla today, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just it's mind-boggling how much more complex it is. Now there are huge benefits. I guess the other question I would have for our industry experts is. Are we going to see some cost reductions over time? I mean, it's great to have all these additional clever tricks that cars can do, but, you know, are we also going to drive costs out of vehicles? Great question, because, you know, in just a couple of years, the average new vehicle is going to be $40,000. Right. You know, mm -hmm. Robin, what about that cost issue? So it's a challenge, right, because yeah. the complexity involved in this technology, for example, a steering system today, we're talking about 10, 000, 10 million lines of code, of software mm. code. Just in the steering. Just in the steering system alone. So you think about all the resources required to develop that software right. and the algorithms. And then you talk about autonomous features and the level of redundancy, duplicate sensors and, and controllers and that sort of thing. The challenge is how do you offset those costs or how do you mitigate the cost of that? And that is a significant challenge for us and, and you really have to work with our supply base, with the OEMs to again look at the enterprise costs to try and try and keep that cost down. Yeah, I mean, I mean one of the barriers that we're cur currently confronting on autonomous vehicles is the level of complexity and cost in the self-driving system. Mm -hmm. I mean, between the LiDAR and the sonar and the radar and you know the camera systems, and then all the, the those connections between all the, all the steering system, throttle system, braking system. I mean, 
that's a, a whole additional layer that goes on top of what's already a very complex vehicle. I mean, imagine a Tesla that self-drives. I mean, I, I mean, actually self-drives, not the not the current autopilot system, which we we know has some some foibles right now. So, I mean, we're looking at a lot of additional cost. I mean, I, it's almost like it's outrunning you guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, are you going to be able to chase it down and mm -hmm. get it under control? Well, certainly the amount of, uh, for electric vehicles, the amount of, of semiconductors um, is, is an order of magnitude higher, for mm. sure, in terms of content. But of course it replaces um, other components, so it's it, cannibalistic in some ways, but still the net is, is an ad. Mm. And I think you know, what we haven't talked about, uh, especially on the EV side, is are the regulatory uh, issues, right? which is going to drive uh, uh, automakers to, to, to have these systems in their car, in their cars, whether they really, really believe in it or not. And mm. so, um, so that, that's a piece that, that has to be considered, right, is there's additional cost, but th th this is being driven by, you know, uh, regulatory, governmental, um, uh, requirements and uh, and they've been moving around a lot lately. They have well, they have here, but I don't think in in the other Not regions. Not so much in Europe. Yeah, Asia, yeah. yeah. So, um, but one of the interesting things that I thought of when, in, in hearing the answers is, you know, as a, as a semiconductor company, automotive is the biggest segment for us. It's it's about a third of our business, hmm. but it's still not our sole business. So we bring in industrial, we bring in some medical um, pieces, right? So we. We sort of, in some ways, spread the risk uh, of, of investment, right? Um, whereas for a traditional tier one, I mean, it's, it, you're all in for yes. automotive, yeah. right? And so for, for, for a company like us and most of our, our peers, um, it's not 100% um, automotive driven. I mean, certainly 30, 40, 50%, but still there's other aspects to the business that drive investment, that drive um, you know, uh, our, our behavior. So, um, so we have to be convinced sometimes that it makes sense, uh, you know, for automotive. I like John's question though, considering the risk though, uh, because I mean, you look at uh, Mercedes; they've got two architectures: one ICE, one EV. Mm -hmm. BMW, on the other hand, is talking about consolidating on a single architecture, you know, to, to reduce their investment. So. Kind of interesting how they're balancing that. It's an amazing time in the automotive industry. The, the, the last decade alone has seen more change than in probably almost the, the prior 100 years. I would agree. And, and guess what? The next decade is going to make the last <laughs> decade look like nothing. Right. <laughs> look, we're going to have to wrap this up, but I really want to thank all three of you for coming in today. JB from OnSemi, Robin Molovec from Next Year, Jack Keebler from Keebler Auto. Thank you so much for your insights and sharing your knowledge with us today. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Thank you. Underwriting for the production of AutoLine this week has been provided by RSM. Prepare for challenges specific to your business by working with trusted advisors who help turn obstacles into opportunities. Experience the power of being understood. RSM, audit, tax and consulting for the middle market.